Okay, welcome to the Zeker's Quest. <clears throat> Hi, everyone. We are here for our second session in this series of um, disagreements, no disrespect. So we are talking about conflict, uh, specifically causes of conflict right now, and we'll move on to um, kind of dealing with conflict and uh, later um, forgiveness. So I'm here with CC and Veda again. This is great. I get to spend a lot of time with you guys today. We just had a nice little powwow right after the last session where CC and I gave Veda a hard time. <laughs> so that was fun. Veda, how are you feeling? I feel thoroughly uh, spiritually loved. Spiritually loved. That's great. You are spiritually loved. CC and I give Veda a hard time because CC and I are very we kind of uh linear and we and cc we kind of talk about what we're going to talk about before the episode comes and we try to align and then we get online and then veda just like throws something out at us that's like totally different than the direction we were talking about going and then we're all like wait where are we where are we going so we love veda for that but um we do give him a hard time afterwards so I think Brittany is having having fun that I'm like the kid in the block just throws all the toys all around the place. <laughs> it's like constantly throwing a tantrum. Does keep things interesting. We we appreciate yeah. you for that, Veda. You know, I know you're young, Veda, but don't flatter yourself that you are a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd say you are the eccentric in the group. The genius eccentric, <laughs> so <laughs> you come up with brilliant points, but at the wrong time. <laughs> and those brilliant points come up, you just are a delightful disruption. At other times, you are just a disruption. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll work on the delight side a little bit more. <laughs> so, in with that and saying with that um we didn't cover all that we wanted to discuss in the last session on causes of conflict so we were going to move on to addressing the causes of conflict this session but we uh just just talked and decided to to stick with the theme a little bit longer of causes of conflict uh so, so yeah, today we we're going to talk yeah. yeah we talked about moderating expectations and we decided to moderate our expectations from veda <laughs> he's very spontaneous so very spont spontaneous and more of a heart person you know we are more linear more log more sequential so whether we accept you as you are mm -hmm. i'm thoroughly honored <laughs> true so we're going to talk about differences in perceptions a little bit more today. We talked a lot about expectations the last time. We talked about expectations, difference in expectations or unrealistic set of expectations, difference in perceptions. And um, what was the third one that caused conflict? There was three Expression or communication. Communication. Oh, communication. Yeah. So we talked a lot about expectations the last uh, session and we're going to hone in a little bit more about difference of perceptions 
uh, for this session. Yeah. So at one level, even when we see the same object, there is in, in philosophy and psychology, there is the idea of an object and there is the idea of a subject. So, there's the idea of objective reality and then there is subjective perception of reality. So, in the history of mainstream Western world, we could say that Objective reality is considered more important in science. It's all about facts. That's why there are repeated experiments. And then we see that whether the same particular result comes out again and again. The emphasis is on objective reality. At the same time, it's also becoming more and more clear to people, to, to people in general, both in the scientific world, as well as in the general populace, that you know, we are not just objective information processors. We have, we have emotions, we have opinions, we have our own individuality. So in, in some ways, the subjective it's considered lesser than the objective. That At least that's the way it is in science. But if you could say in human life, in our daily relationships, you know, is really, what is the relationship between the subjective and the objective? You consider, especially in art, the subjective is much, much more than objective that it is somebody sees something and then they render it. Maybe they make a painting about it. They write a poem about it. They are not just reporting it over there. They're actually conveying their emotion, their experience. And that's what moves it much more. So this is also seen in journalism where maybe after 50 to 70, 80, 100 years ago, journalism was mostly considered to be fact-based. So in writing, there are two genres of writing, broadly speaking. There is fiction and non-fiction. And uh, non-fiction, fiction was the place where it was considered all the creativity comes in. That creativity, imagination, poetry, artistry, that's what comes in. So in the past, journalism was considered to be largely non-fiction. It's about facts. It's about reporting. So you keep stick to the facts. But now even journalism is becoming more and more about is this whole genre of creative non-fiction. Where we just don't want reports, we also want the human experience, the human perspective, the the human emotions that are associated with something. 
Yeah, so the subjective element is important. It's what actually, in one sense, makes uh, the experience of life relishable, variegated. Mm-hmm. And then there are these popular uh, TV series or movies, and people watch the movies, and then there are people who write reviews of the movies. Now, reviews may be a little more objective, but then there are reaction videos. Somebody is watching the video. Somebody is watching a latest episode of Star Wars. And while they are watching and they are reacting to that watching, there are people who watch the videos of reactions to this particular fight and reactions to this particular incident. The subjective element is, in that sense, important. So, why I'm making this point is that if we consider hmm, the... This, if this is the reality, this is what I am trying to perceive. So you are perceiving from you are perceiving from here. Say I am perceiving from here. So my our perceptions are going to be dis- different. But uh, the point of this, if we have some communication, it's not just to arrive at an agreement. Okay, this is what it is. That's important, but. By knowing this is how I see it. So by that, actually we come to know the other person. We come to know, okay, this is where this person comes from. And then sometimes by seeing how the way I see it is different from how somebody else sees it, it is I come to know more, more about myself. Oh, this is where I come from. I didn't even think about that. So in that sense, the the purpose, when we have these different perceptions, we could say there are different perceptions. The when we the purpose or when we are dealing with different perceptions, the purpose is not necessarily just alignment or agreement. Yeah, that when we are dealing with different perceptions, this agreement is one side, but I would say another side is, I like to use the word enrichment. Enrichment means, oh, okay, I understand myself better, I understand you better. My understanding of reality becomes more enhanced. It does not necessarily mean that I'll agree with you. Oh, but this can also be seen in this way. So, if we have that understanding, then that doesn't mean that uh, all perceptions are right, of course not. But that doesn't mean that different perceptions ultimately have to be removed or dissolved so that we can get agreement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's almost like getting comfortable with the with the subjective. I I remember when I was in high school and I was really into math, I was like, Super. I would take a class and my goal would be like not to miss a single point in the math class. And I would stay after class and I would do every single problem in the book. And then I was like friends with the math teacher. So he'd let me go up and like check and see if my answers were right or wrong. And then if they weren't right, I'd go back and I'd like figure out why. And I would spend so much time doing this. Even if he only assigned like 10 problems, I do all of them in the chapter just so I could like see how in right in line I was with the answer book. And I was almost to the point where like anything that wasn't black or white, I was like not interested in. Like, I don't even want to hear it. Only if there's a right answer, am I like motivated. And then I feel like as I got older, 
And I, and I, after I went through engineering school and then I started kind of getting more interested in the gray. I even like, I got an engineering job. I worked, I designed correlations and that was fun, but I got kind of like bored almost. And I ended up liking working with people more because people is where the gray is. And it's like, there's so much, it's so interesting working in the gray. It's, it's like, you never get bored working in the gray you, you're there's always a challenge working in the gray and that challenge is really like expanding your own reality like not so much honing in on your reality and stake and staying like standing strong on it it's more like expanding your reality and that is like mind-blowing so i think that's like the first step is like being comfortable with like maybe letting go of your conception of reality a little bit to allow room for another person's conception of reality and in that, like you said, is where like the true connection is with the person. So it's interesting. Yeah, beautifully put. You know, math is all about black and white. I think Einstein is said to have said many things. I just said there are many things that many things that Einstein is said to have said. They are attributed to him, but often those precise quotes are not found in his in his uh, writings, published writings as they are there. He says that the more a theory is math mathematical, the less it describes reality precisely. Mm. And the less a theory is mathematically precise, the more it describes reality precisely. Now, that's a, another way of putting it is that I think everything that counts is not countable. Everything that is countable doesn't count. So, a few thoughts on that. Veda. Yeah. What do you think, Veda? We don't want you to be quiet, Veda. <laughs> we just want you to conform. <laughs> conform, conform. <laughs> you know, I know personally, I, you know, used to... Uh, ponder about this thing, you know, the subjective reality and objective reality. And every time I think about it, how simple village people, because, you know, I was from a little remote town, they're so happy with whatever they know, whatever do they know. And the world is, their subjective reality is small and it feels very comforting. And for me, coming out of that little village to see another reality, it completely blew my mind. And it blows my mind every single day. You know, the different realities in this world and also the complexities of the various realities. So yeah, when you talk about this subjective, objective reality, it's somehow when I feel like the little world that I lived in it was uh, it was very comforting because there wasn't too much. So I feel village life uh, in their little subjective reality is kind of sheltered from the complexities of life. So you are saying that you're sheltered in village life because 
everything was black and white or everything was gray or why was it comfortable because it's 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 uh uh it's it's natural that's an answer that raises more questions than it answers <laughs> i think i think he's saying because it's like it's it's more contained right like when we talk about expanding reality and we bring in it's, different perceptions it's like with more perceptions your your reality is expanding but in a small village it's limited to just the cultural mindset of that small village and therefore that's that sets the framework of the reality is that what you're saying veda yeah and you know like most things are somewhat predictable like the seasons the six seasons they all come on time you know it's there's a level of uh, certainty i i would say yeah i feel like i felt like that growing up in like a well not like that because your experience was so different but growing up in a small town in missouri i felt like i felt like perceptions were limited and frankly i couldn't wait to get out <laughs> but there's something comforting about that too which i think is why i loved math cuz there's something comforting about just being so grounded in your perception and knowing that's right cuz it takes like some courage to step out a little bit and be open to the expansion because it's unknown and it doesn't feel as controllable it can be scary I feel that I think Yeah, I think Gary Fisher was a chess champion. He said that I love chess because the chess board is the place where the world makes sense. Hmm. <laughs> the rest of the world often it doesn't make sense. So yeah, it's was hard work. Was it Gary Fisher or Bobby Fisher? Oh yeah, Bobby Fisher, sorry. So, thank you for correcting my subjective perception. <laughs> with your objective reality mm, bobby fi yeah so now when we talk about if we live in a you brought a good point over there we live in a very complex world nowadays and it's complex because of multiple reasons it is we could go into that but i won't i'll just quickly mention a few of them complexity is at one level because just because of communication we get news i mean by communication means telecommunication media we get news from everywhere then there is also migration people just go into different parts of the world and we mix with people from many many different uh, backgrounds regions religions ethnicities we get information from various places we get people from various places then it's also we ourselves have many options <laughs> that should i do this should i do that should i do that and uh, in some ways the options are freeing but some ways they are not if i am sick and if i go to a doctor and the doctor tells me okay these are your symptoms so based on these symptoms you might be having one of these 10 diseases and for each of these 10 diseases there are those 10 treatments now out of those 100 options what do you want to choose now that's not something i can choose isn't it so things become just too complex for us so that's why in one sense this complexity leads to 
greater i would just use the word neutral word encounter greater encounter with different perceptions so in one sense resolving conflicts this can lead to greater conflicts because we are encountering people with different with different perceptions we didn't encounter too many people with too many different perceptions the perception the conflict would be lesser so it's unlikely that the world is going to move backward our uh, time is not going to flow backwards that's why it's vital that this is this encounter is amicable and not acrimonious yeah okay so how do we do so, that okay so Veda, did I cut you? Do you want to say something? No, no, no. You the, can cut it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to say what Arav- you said. Okay. So, I hope the difference in our perceptions is amicable and not acrimonious. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay so, I'd like to talk about... Okay, this doesn't work. Perception... in in three modes there are different kinds of perceptions so there is goodness which is broadly wisdom or enlightenment there is the there is passion rajas and there is ignorance so in general perception in ignorance this will lead to irresolvable irresolvable conflicts not just irresolvable irresolvable but also mm, escalating conflicts so what happens here is that i take one fragment of reality i am perceiving one fragment of reality you are perceiving another fragment of reality and if when ignorance and if you are in ignorance then we end up we equate our fragment of reality with all of reality so this is talked about in 1822 in the bhagavad gita so when we equate our fragment of reality with all of reality totality of reality then there is no possibility for reconciliation there is no possibility for your fragment your perception to exist at all so when we take one thing and make it into everything it can be extremely dangerous and this is what is increasingly happening in nowadays when we have hmm, and say we have political polarization so polarization can be because of many various things but say when there is political polarization then there are people get uh, caught in their own echo chambers now if i am of a particular political orientation i read articles on the internet about a particular position say how immigration is bad 
and then i just keep reading more and more about that and then i may end up start seeing every person who is supporting immigration is then is my enemy every immigrant is my enemy so when we are in our co chambers what happens is that i may say that okay i'm not alone it's like i am perceiving i am listening from other people but it's like see i am perceiving this fragment of reality and i only talk with people who are also perceiving that same fragment of reality do you so see when, when you draw happens, yeah when you draw reality from now on can you draw elephants wow <laughs> I, people appreciate your animal pictures i've actually got some texts about your animal pictures really they got to laugh at how poor they were <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's not a lot we can poke fun at you for but your animal pictures are is one thing <laughs> okay this is an insult to a radical <laughs> i melted at the last <laughs> <laughs> okay it has some tasks okay. this is a great outfit yeah okay this makes our day <laughs> okay yeah so for those of you who didn't hear the last episode we have the elephant analogy where where people are seeing a different part of the elephant like a leg or a tail and therefore they're saying that they're they're perceiving that to be the elephant and then they're arguing about what an elephant looks like when really they're just seeing different parts so now we're saying an elephant represents reality and we're enjoying this picture so much <laughs> thank you <laughs> i don't think that elephant is enjoying it nor is the elephant maker enjoying it <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Veda, are you a good drawer? I can hand over the screen to you. <laughs> I'm horrible at it. How are you, Radhi? No, I'm bad. Also, mine would look like yours. <laughs> you, you know, one thing I was thinking, Sissy, when you were going with this ignorance, go up a little bit. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, up a little bit. Yes, perfect. You know, like this mode of ignorance, irresolvable conflicts. I remember when I first came to America, I was trying to understand American culture, and and you know, I wasn't on the net or anything, so I was trying to figure out how this culture is all about. So whenever I went to grocery stores, I would buy all the gossip magazines. the people magazine the us magazines you know like when you're about to check out they have just on the eye level they have all these shelves of the magazines so i'd buy all these magazines just to understand what's happening in america and american culture and society it was just celebrity gossips right what they did who they're hooked up with their breakups and after i think about a month and a half I learned one thing there was all this breakups meet up breakup meet up breakup this constant and one of the common theme of that was 
irreconcilable differences is the reason for divorce. One reason, one word. I was thinking, oh my God, what is this word? What is this word? And I kept looking up this, you know, this this one word. And that mode of ignorance was enough for me to understand that the society that we live in, our role models, the people we look up to, and, you know, the society follows and society listens to and sees there as their leaders are really <laughs> in the mode of ignorance. Irreconcilable differences, really. Like, so much money, so much, you know, fame and everything. Just one word, this mode of ignorance. So that was my realization in understanding the American society in the first month and a half. Just reading the gossip. Yeah. Now I was in Canada and I was staying at the house of a couple so the husband is a husband is a businessman. He's a marketing uh, person for a big company, and the wife is an attorney. The husband is also a priest. He does uh, weddings, and his wife is in family law. Family law is basically a polite word for divorce, separation. So she said that we are. So they were joking. I say we are the complete package. You come to the husband to get married. You come to the come to the wife to get separated. <laughs> So you should have a discount me. for that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he was telling me about some of the reasons why people get separated. So one of the one of the when she said, "I want to be separate. I want to separate." this now it seems the roles are very separate. Roles are themselves separated. So, for example, in India, now if you go to a lawyer at, uh, for divorce. The lawyer, if he's a little elderly, is a little like a father figure or a mother figure, they will try to reconcile. Tell them, What's the issue? Maybe you can settle. But it's apparently legally, you are meant to only do your job. There'll be a counselor, separate person. If they want to reconcile, they'll have a counselor. But if they have decided to break, the attorney can't exp shouldn't poke their nose and tell them not to break up. So say, okay, what is your reason? She said that, you know, I thought I had met my soulmate, my perfect partner. Then he said that, you know, when we stay together, we just don't agree on what temperature we should keep the AC in the room. And so is that the reason for waking up? He says, yeah. If he was really my perfect partner, then our bodily temperature should also be sinking. And they don't sink. <laughs> that means that we are not perfect partners. So now... Making this into an irreconcilable, irreconcilable difference, that is a terrible thing. That's, it's, it's a one small thing, but we make it into an entirely big thing. So, but, yes, but go ahead, please. One thing, when, when you say that, the small thing making something different, and this can also be something very big made into something very small. Because irreconcilable, one word, describes all the struggles, all the differences, and all the hush-hush money that is has to be paid and, and separated between the two, and all the assets and everything, alimony, this, that. And this is all summarized into this one word, 
during the time of divorce. He, he reconciliable differences. So making everything in this world, big thing, into this one little thing, because that's what you are explaining. Right? Yeah. So many times, because when we choose when we choose a particular course of action, we are often not educated or informed about what all will go into that. It's like now in India also there's a proposal to have this, what is in the West called a no-fault divorce. And no, there's no, no fault with the husband, no fault with the wife, but we just don't want to be together anymore. So this no-fault divorce, depending on the country that a person is in, can actually separate from somebody who has been with for 20, 30 years in less than three months. You don't even need to give an explanation. I just don't want to be with that person. It's easier to sometimes get out of a marriage than it is out of a like a home rental contract or even a phone carrier contract. But what comes after that can be quite disorienting, distressing, and even devastating at times. So yeah, I think um, using some some words that are that are deceptive euphemisms. Mm -hmm which actually don't uh, convey the grave reality. That could be a problem. So, yeah, this is more of ignorance. That's what you're talking about. Yes. So we make a small thing into a very big thing. Or rather, make one thing into everything. This difference means it's all over. Not necessarily. So, so that is... So if our perception is in the mode of ignorance, what do we do? We try to raise our perception. That brings us to perception in the mode of passion. In Rajas. So here, the Bhagavad Gita says that it's uh, the external is equated with the essential. So even among the external, there could be something in, in ignorance, the difference is it's, it's peripheral even in the external. So that is equated with the whole. That's ignorance. So there's a difference between the two of them. This is perception in ignorance. As perception in passion is, there is some feature which we consider extremely important and say it may be the looks of a person is the income of a person it could be a particular uh, maybe particular attribute whatever it might be and if that particular attribute is different then how is it possible for us to be together so, in one sense, passion and ignorance are similar. But it's also possible in passion something else may happen. That if at an external level, the two people may be very different. That they may come from many different backgrounds, many different religion, different region, different mindset. But both of them agree that we want to make money. And they join and form a company. They may be very different, but as long as they are making money together, they say, you know, I don't. So, so in, in, in passion, sometimes uh, a passionate purpose can help people to go beyond the differences. 
so in a cricket team and you can say a baseball team the that will actually take us to goodness further but i'm just doing the transition in between but in general when one external feature is equated with an essential feature that's when we are in the mode of passion and that's the perception over there this is why like relationships centered on krishna or, or god are more um robust right like because ultimately if your relationship centered on on krishna and that's what you're really both going for um you can you can learn a lot together your your conception of reality can expand a lot together and in that way the relationship can almost be um not unshakable but undestructible because it's centered on something that is eternal and itself unshakable i could say they might be shaking but there's never any shattering yeah yeah people will be there but so they you can say their relations are re- robust and then don't they don't go bust so yeah i think i think you're taken to a higher level i think we'll move forward from the passion to the goodness that's where we are looking at right now we're done with you passion so quick no you want to add something we are passionate about passion <laughs> so we are rushing rushing through it now <laughs> you like want to add something please I go feel, ahead i feel like the whole world is running on this in this perception of passion and and not enough is given to the whole world so i'd like to see if we can give the world a little bit more time so you know in my experience of passion i deal with a lot of young people so this one boy comes up to me one day and he said you know beta my my girlfriend she is the most beautiful girl and i i mean everything about her is so beautiful but when she starts talking i'm just like oh my god who is this person i don't know this person so he was so obsessed with her <laughs> external beauty <laughs> but mm-hmm. whenever they went out and they got to do things together i mean he's just he was like her words are just so cutting you know it just pierces through my heart you know and she's so insensitive but she's so beautiful i just look at her and i forget how insensitive she is and like this he's having this big huge conflict and asking me how to resolve it and i was just laughing and he thought i was crazy and i said do you ever hear yourself talk and he said, yeah <laughs> and and i just kept thinking when you talk about fashion how we are so focused on the externals in all aspects of life all aspects of life we are not really seeking the substance in our relationship to things and relationship to people and relationships to environment that we are so caught up in what looks good everything has to be satisfactory to the senses and nothing deeper and yet we're seeking something deeper so this this conflict just goes on and on and on and i feel this is the nature of 
this world in the mode of passion. Everybody is uh, moving in a direction that is definitely superficial. So I think mm -hmm. that was my experience with people's perception in the mode of passion. Yeah, it's a good point. And there was this, I think last year or this year, there was this movie, Everything, Everywhere, All the Time, the Academy Award-winning movie. There, there's the the heroine, she's, she's a middle-aged lady who is disappointed with the way her life has turned out. Her business is not doing well. Her, her relationship with her husband is not very good. She feels her husband is not very serious. He's just uh, he's nonchalant. And he's always uh, foolishly cheerful. Something like that. And her relationship with her daughter is tense. So then, basically, the, the plot of the movie is that she starts envisioning multiple realities, multiple universes, where her life has gone on different trajectories. And then, in one of, uh, one of those realities, she finds that same husband is like a powerful martial arts fighter. And she's in trouble. He comes and saves her. And then... She's transported back to her real reality, her, her reality, and then she she says to her husband, "You know, if only you were more of a fighter, it'd be so nice." And then he says, "You think I don't fight? I fight. His life is tough. I fight by being cheerful. So I fight by being adding some good cheer to the world. Because ultimately, life is so distressful." What can we do except just be a little kind, a little warm to each other? At that time, it's, it's almost as if she sees her husband for the first time. Yeah. Says, Who is this person? What, what have I been seeing? So the idea is that sometimes, like this also goes back to our expectations, but our perceptions are shaped by, in passion, we have certain expectations. So yes, fighting can be by being grim, by being yelling, by being assertive, by being uh, sometimes aggressive. But there are different ways of fighting. So if you consider when the Bhagavad, well, the Bhagavad Gita talks about tolerating things, now, tolerating, it is not not fighting. But tolerating is deciding that I will fight by being resilient. I'll fight by enduring. Like we have to choose our battles. So one of the ways we deal with conflict is by realizing that you know, maybe this conflict is not worth fighting over. So maybe I'm making this much more I'm making this much more of an issue than it needs to be. So the more we have so this is the difference between, say, passion and goodness. In passion, if we consider this is a reality, and so the passion, the vision will always go towards the appearance of things. In goodness, we will seek the substance of things. So that means one way we move from passion towards goodness is things that I think matter. 
आर दे रियली द थिंग्स दैट मैटर सेम और मे बी दर्ज अ डिफरेंस बिटवीन द टू ऑफ दम सो दैट्स वेर दिस आई थिंक इज आई थिंक इज अ पार्ट ऑफ माई परसेप्शन दिस नॉट टू बी डिनाइड बट इट इज टू बी डिनाइड मोनोपली ऑन रियालिटी इट इज इट इज नेसेसरली मीन दट इज रियालिटी सो that's where that's some thought about moving from passion towards goodness before you jump i had one thought i was thinking you know uh, how when we go to a store we look at the different shelves and we see something that catches our eye that the packaging has to look really nice whatever we buy based on the packaging which is the first metric of our um, decision making process whether to buy this or not and when i first when i first went to came to america and i was went to the grocery store i had never seen such colorful glistening and shining vegetables and fruits in my life i have mm. never seen such a thing because you know how in india you know there is dirt still on the uh, you know on the vegetables on the cauliflowers and the apples you know there's they don't have any shine or anything like that and in america you know i was completely shocked and i asked these people i said this must be and this must be the best apple in the world is shining and so you know brilliant and he said yeah this is the best fruits in the world and another friend immediately jumps in he said beta this is not the best thing in the world all this on top is just beautiful colorful wax to make it shine and make it dazzling so people like you can go in and buy them and i was thinking wow really and ever since then whenever i buy something in the us i have a tendency to read the labels doesn't matter how good the packaging is i really want to see the content inside so this mode of passion you know everything on the externals is what is really really captivating to the world and and i feel we we get lost in the glitz in the glitz and the glamour of what is on the outside and so this mode of passion is is all pervasive in this world yeah and you know no, i think just to respond to that point quickly so there are two efforts one is that on one side the individual should see beyond the appearance to the substance mm-hmm. that is the en- endeavor that the individual has to make but i would say that in to some extent to relieve to to resolve or to reduce conflicts there's a person that person has a appearance and you could say that person has their substance now that person also needs to make an effort to 
manifest their substance sometime hmm? because if a person is 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 kind but maybe their their voice tends to be loud maybe they tend to use foul words or whatever then that's what people are going to say this person can't be kind so i think the onus of the responsibility lies on the other person also rather than expecting that the world should rise from passion to goodness which we definitely want to but we also need to recognize that uh, there are people are going to judge us by appearances and we also need to need to make sure that our appearance does not uh, betray our substance in betray in the sense that misrepresent or completely conceal our substance like that's going to be what we talk in the next session where we talk about communication and presentation how to bring what is inside outside it said that uh, swami prabhupad he is is our our former specialty teacher he says dress and address he would say first you need to at least dress in a respectable way then the address that you give the message that you will give this is that will have it will be seen with some respect so i write books and there is this common saying that don't judge a book by its cover but everybody judges a book by the cover so cover page design itself is a huge field of a uh, uh, field of a huge profession so uh, so in that sense that's just the opposite perspective and it's giving you a hard time veda you are trying to take us from passion to goodness i'm taking you from goodness to passion <laughs> i want to pause for another minute and and propose this idea to you you said uh, sure. substance can we say essence and substance outside and essence is the inside can we switch yeah okay that's good yeah you're saying something rather i guess it's cut you off yeah i was thinking of this in context of relationships if you scroll up to your original where you said where you had the passion and the yeah right there passion is focused on the appearance and goodness is focused on what well, what we now just defined as the essence. I was thinking of this book uh The Five Love Languages. Have you guys heard of that by uh yeah. Gary Chapman? So it's it's based on this philosophy that there's like five ways that we all perceive love. It's like quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, um physical touch and gifts. So when you're in a relationship with somebody if you don't have the same love language if you don't perceive love in the same way that you that they do you guys could be like misfiring like somebody could be trying to show you love but you're not perceiving it that way so it's like a tool in relationships to try to get on the same page like for example for me like my one of my big love languages is just like time time and conversation my my husband hates to talk and he's just like acts of service like he's just like constantly wants to do things for me which i'm like this is nice but i just want you to talk to me so like that's something we had to like get to in our relationship like i had to come to understand and appreciate all of the service that he does for me and he had to kind of try to talk a little bit more and share a little bit more and in that way we could see and feel each other's love for each other um 
but because our perceptions weren't totally aligned, we had to kind of like work a little bit to, to get there. And so that we are more operating in the mode of goodness. And I'm not just seeing like, oh, he's not sharing with me. He's, we're not connected like that. Yeah. So I think you are continuing my point that the essence needs to be manifested. So that each person needs to, okay, if there's love in the heart, it needs to be expressed in a way that is perceivable for the other person. And, and when I also need to adjust so that when somebody is doing something, I need to perceive the love behind, your love behind that. You know, my dad is like that. He doesn't like to talk at all. Acts of service, he will go to, he, he's, 80, he's 85 now. But say if I, he stays in a city which is about five hours away from Pune, uh, from where I stay in Mumbai, if I need some certificate or something, at the age of 80, 85, uh, 75, 80, he will catch a train and come to meet me in Mumbai and he'll give me that thing. But if he comes, he just doesn't want to talk. Just sit, he'll be there for some time and he'll go. So if I have to maintain a conversation with him, it is I have to keep asking him questions. As soon as I stop asking a question, he stops talking. So that's true. Yeah. Do you ever ask questions and you just get, yeah. You ask another question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's the answer. <laughs> no, I think in trying to get him to answer questions, I started developing the skills of becoming a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I had to find which questions would get good answers. <laughs> I need to develop that skill better, I think. <laughs> so I think we had too much goodness to get to goodness now. <laughs> so should we summarize now or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Brittany, yeah, Brittany yes. high mileage questions. questions nice word, Brittany. High mileage. <laughs> the goodness. Should I talk about goodness and then we'll yeah. complete or? Should we keep it for next time? So basically, see, goodness and sees that when we are talking about now uh, this is is not a person, but I'm drawing them as a person, that there are differences between us, two people, and there are similarities. And it is not that for this perception to be, for the relationship to be fruitful. In this perception, we see the differences. We acknowledge the differences. We don't deny them. But we also see the underlying commonality, the underlying similarity below the differences. So we see this tendency also. For example, mm. you know, I think Obama in a speech, when his first speech, he says, we are not the red America or we are not the blue America. We are the United States of America. So it's like the idea of unity in diversity. So we have so many differences and we acknowledge those differences. But you see that the similarity, that's not the similarity generally comes from a bigger picture. In the smaller picture, there will be differences. Okay. 
But in the bigger picture, it could be based on nationality. It could be based just on humanity. We are all human beings. And beyond that, it can be based on our spirituality. Now, even when it's based on humanity, we may leave out the non-humans. But if it's based on our spirituality, we understand that the same spiritual spark is there in everyone. So here, while both are acknowledged, both are important, but the idea is that this is, okay, this, the similarities are foundational. You start with the foundation of similarity, and then after that, the differences are secondary. They are, they are not primary. They, are, they could say, we understand that the differences may be important, but still they are circumstantial. That I am a soul and you are a soul. And at the level of a spiritual essence, we are similar. Now, I may be an Indian, you might be an American. I may be a male, you might be a female. These differences are there. We don't deny those differences, but we make sure that we don't let those differences blind us to the similarities. So when we can see these similarities, then there is a foundation when there is a conflict. No. Even say there is one percent similarity, let's take like a worst case scenario. And there's 99% difference. But still, if we start with that one percent similarity, then we will find that we can move forward. From that one percent similarity, we can move forward and then address the 99% difference. So that's that's starting with what is similar, starting with what is what we share, what are our shared values, shared purposes. What is it that we share? We start from there, and then we move forward towards resolving and or addressing the differences. That would be perception and goodness. Yeah, when you talk about this one, I think about re religion, like because it's it can be so common in religion to say. Like, oh, you're not this, like, again, <laughs> my husband's Catholic. So to fo focus on like, well, I see God like this, and these are the practices that I do. I see God like this. These are the practices that I do. To focus on those difference, those differences really would just create separation. But instead, if, if you can find where you're similar, where they intersect and really appreciate that, then then even you realize that the differences are are actually not even so in, important exactly so yes i think true i think this differences that can accentuate the beauty of the foundational so when mm. there's when there's differences i think it's a uh, it's the beautiful thing that we are so different and yet we are so similar. So if the foundational is the focus, then the differences are simply an accentuation of that foundational beauty. So yeah, if you consider difference management, you could have a pendulum and you have two differences. If you saw, see no differences, that's artificial. And the differences are there. Like some people say, I don't see the skin color. I don't see the color at all. 
well then how do you operate a traffic lights you cannot not see colors but we don't equate that with the whole person so mm. it's see only differences then what happens is this 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 is takes you know more like artificial unity or artificial uh, yeah i could for the artificial unity or harmony see only differences it can lead to often unnecessary disharmony unnecessary disunity but in between we oh wow that's oh, nice oh look at that heart you got to leave it <laughs> <laughs> so this is what is called i think it's serendipity you know accidentally it came out right i know look at that so we acknowledge the differences but we focus we subordinate them or we focus on similarities then it's it's not just that we are tolerating the differences but we can even celebrate the differences and that they make the world richer the differences yeah so love so from in our yeah go ahead i was just going to say love from the essence yes not from the essence too so we just tolerate and then go beyond tolerate to we celebrate diversity within a foundation of unity so we could discuss how we could go towards this especially in terms of uh, how we could communicate because at one level it's a individual's endeavor i need to rise to goodness but when we are dealing with each other let's try to bring our conversation to goodness so that we will be able to focus on the uh, on the uh, essential similarities and then we will look at the subsequent differences there up thereafter mm. beautiful so anything you want to add or should i conclude summarize something summarize please take us home cc i don't know i'm going to take us home or i'm going to take us to the door out of the home <laughs> in the sense <laughs> the next discussion yeah but we started talking today about perceptions primarily and in that discussed about how objective reality is considered important in science and that is good that is good but along with that the subjective is also important and it's important in not just arts but often in relationships in real life at large there is a so from objective perspective when you are resolving conflicts what we need is agreement you know that that was your understanding that's my understanding but now this is the correct understanding but from the subjective perspective we look not necessarily for agreement but for enrichment that so when we are resolving conflict i can respect that okay that's where you come from you don't have to necessarily come to an agreement and then in that connection 
we discussed multiple examples but we focus say on perception in ignorance that is we equate if i'm looking at one thing i equate that one thing with everything and so does the other person and does what veda pointed out is we can have irreconcilable differences because we are seeing that particular thing to be the most important thing and that's quite unfortunate when we talk about perception in good in passion so here whereas there one thing is equal to everything here it's more like an external is equated with the essential and this is where most of the world is and we could say that as individuals to deal with this we need to make two efforts one is we see the essential beyond the external when we are looking at others and then we also show from within show our essential beyond the external or not here only beyond it would be beneath insiders beneath the external so we we want to give a book of good content but we also have to design a good cover so in this connection we also talked about love languages and how the love languages have to be we need to express love according to language that the other person will perceive and we talk about goodness so here we acknowledge the differences but we see the subordinate we discuss the pendulum basically only different only similarities if we see or it's the only differences then that will that is unhealthy only that will lead to lot of unnecessary conflict only similarities that will lead to an artificial unstable unity but rather we acknowledge the differences and we focus on the similarities thank you Beautiful. thank you thank you all very much